Live from Austin, Texas, this is Diversity Cafe, hosted by me, Angela Hood, CEO and founder of This Way Global. Our podcast features HR tech and recruiting experts that know our industry inside and out. They are the best of the best. Join us and enjoy a cup of your favorite brew and get the insight you need to meet recruiting and diversity challenges head on. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Angela Hood. I'm the founder and CEO of This Way Global, and I have an incredible woman that has agreed to join me today to talk about what is it like being a woman in a man's world? Uh, This is the truth. If you're a female engineer or if you're a technologist, Priya, I would love for you to introduce yourself. Thanks, Angela, for having me here. Um, My name is Priya Shinavasan. I originally am from India. Um, I did my schooling there and I moved to um, States 20 years ago and I've worked in the tech company. I did get an opportunity to go to college here as well. I did my uh, master's here in a school in Midwest and uh, I've been working in a tech company for the last uh, 20 years. Um, On the personal front, I have a beautiful family, a husband, a daughter and a dog uh, and live in San Jose, California. That is amazing. Okay, I have to ask about the dog. So we have dogs of this way. So do tell us about the dog. He's my favorite person in the family. Uh, I tell my daughter, you know, there are moments that I maybe love him more. Um, And we all do. All all three of us do. Uh, He's a beagle. Uh, He's six years old. Um, Adorable. You know, his naughtiness. He's naughty, but uh, very cute style of naughtiness um, and when we moved we moved to California six years back so it was a gift to my daughter because we moved from Midwest and uh, we wanted her to you know kind of immediately fall in love with the place and the dog definitely helped with that oh yeah I mean it's amazing so uh, we have our, our mascot of our company is Sully he is a Scottish terrier he's black uh, and he's a hot mess. And so sometimes today he's off uh, on a walk right now, but sometimes he like pops into the podcast. So on occasion, I've had to say, hold on one second. Sully's has something to add, but we, he won't be doing that today. Uh, so very nice to have you. Uh, thank you for joining us on here. And as we talk about all the time, the Diversity Cafe is meant to let uh, our listeners listen in on conversations that we have. Uh, and that we discuss issues that are important to us. And I wanted to ask you something um, that you know, we really haven't talked about before, but I met you in a meeting of an enterprise partner of ours. And I remember when you described to me what you did, which I would love for you to share a little bit more before you answer this question, is when you described what you do for a job, I thought, I'm guessing she has been uh, in a room filled with men and has been considered for jobs against probably many men. Um, And I would say as a female engineer, I personally always want to be just judged fairly. I don't want to be given any special uh, privileges around this, around me being female. I just want to be judged equally when I'm being interviewed for a job. And I would love to hear your uh, perspective on that. But first, tell everyone what you do, because you have an interesting job. Sure. And I'll tell a little bit about my uh, career journey and what I currently do. So uh, like I said, I've worked in tech uh, all my life so far. 
Um, I've worked across multiple technologies in data, AI, and automation. And I've also had the opportunity to work across multiple roles from uh, engineering to support. And the latest that I am in is in product services. So the, the software that my company builds across uh, data, AI, automation, sustainability, um, my team, we deploy it at customers and we make sure that they are realizing the value of our software. Uh, we work worldwide, pretty much across every country, um, and we get our software successfully working uh, at our clients and them realizing the ROI of our software. Yeah, you actually uh, create some incredible products. And I think that, you know, the the level of, I'll say, integration across the globe is unique. I think it's very difficult for companies to kind of have that type of footprint. Um, so I will say this, um, a lot of the global companies have more diversity out of just natural evolution because they kind of have to, they have to have offices everywhere. But it seems to be um, a universal problem when we come to gender. So they're okay with having um, more ethnicity across the companies, but I don't see too many women. So tell me your experience about how has not just now, but like since you've been in technology. Yeah. So a couple of things, uh, you know, one, one you know, I, I, there are three generations of women, you know, my mom, myself and my daughter. I'm super close to my daughter and obviously I'm super close to my mom as well. And I, I influence my daughter, whether knowingly or unknowingly, a lot more towards STEM. Um, and one thing I, I always tell her is do what you love, right? As much as I try to influence her because that's where I come from. I come from a STEM background. So I try to influence her, but do what you love. Um, but just make sure, you know, the, the the place you have, you have an equal opportunity and you provide an equal opportunity for everybody else as well. Always, right? Whether it's a school atmosphere, it's a college atmosphere, wherever you are, you know, just make sure the opportunity is equal and then everybody will leverage that as they see fit. When I apply the same thing, I'm actually pretty fortunate to work for a company where they take diversity and inclusion very, very seriously. Um, I It's very rare. I'll tell you, it's very, very rare for people to say what I'm going to say. I haven't felt very, how to say, uh, scenarios where people have overstepped opportunities and I've lost. I've not really felt that. So I owe a lot to the company. And the company, it's also because, A, it's been there for a long time. So they've learned it. They have, you know, focused on it. They've matured on it. Um, so not been put too much in that kind of difficult situation. That doesn't mean we don't have um, areas to continue to focus and areas to continue to improve. I'm very proud to say I'm actually part of the company's diversity and inclusion council. Um, and that makes me very proud also because they focus and I know what they actually talk about. Like it matters and it matters where it matters from a culture perspective. And it's not a culture. We, we make this mistake sometimes. We think the world starts in America. It doesn't, right? Just because, just because we talk like that, or we are, you know, thinking from our perspective. But it's different. It, it and I come from India, and I and I know culturally, you, it's it's a it's different based on where you come from, and it's different environments. What applies in one place does not apply when you you know worldwide. You cannot make assumptions. No. The point actually I'm trying to make is. We can't assume for someone. We can't make assumptions, but we all make that mistake knowingly or unknowingly. So I try to be careful 
as much as possible not to make assumptions. Um, and to something that you said that resonates really, really well for me is I, I want to have the opportunity that I truly deserve. I don't want anything more. I don't want anything less. I am very particular that I get the opportunity I deserve, okay? which means I, I, that's exactly how I would want it, want it to be for my ecosystem, right? Wherever I am, I want to make sure it's a totally fair and equitable for everybody and they get the opportunity. Nobody gets preferential treatment, even if you are a female, right? right. It, it, it's it's applies. What I apply for me is what I would want to apply for somebody else as well. Um, so, when you sort of alluded to it, um, that you want to do that for other people, like you're now in a leadership role, so you have the ability to uh, extend that fairness to people as you're evaluating them in your team and as you're partnering them up inside your organization. And sometimes I think that uh, women can be really harsh to other women. And I, you know, I find it less so in engineering than in some other positions that I've been in. But um, I, I do think that we should make some extra effort at extending the opportunities and letting people know these are opportunities for you to seize. But agree with you wholeheartedly. We should just compete for them fairly and not not expect some kind of special privilege. Yeah, I I, I can't agree more with you on it. The the chat and I I'm with the risk of generalizing. I will make some statements, and it's purely my perspective. Um, especially coming in a technical path, I have seen women sometimes struggle with self confidence. Right. Um, they're just as much as, you know, talented and capable as anyone else. But that extra pull might be needed or an extra push might be needed just to make them feel more comfortable and more fit. It, it, just feeling more fit into that place. That's all it is. The, the talent is the same, but the self-confidence, you just have to give them that, you know, that comfort. Um so they can build their own confidence. And I have a daughter at home and I, and I try to apply that with her as well. You know, like everybody might have some degree of self-doubt, but I, you know, again, with the risk of generalizing, sometimes women may have a little bit more. So just to watch for that and give that. And same thing with meetings and in places where there's a large crowd, it's very easy that, you know, three of us could overcrowd the entire conversation. And and we may lose the opinion and feedback of others. And it's so important we get everybody's perspective. Um, and it and it's it's easier said than done, but to be watchful, right? To correct it if we do end up doing. And and just making sure everybody's voice is heard. And some people, you may have to very correctly, right? Not just call out prayer. Now it's your turn. That's not the intent. But also make sure that that opinion is heard and they may just be silent because the crowd is too large and that's not a venue that they're comfortable with. Um, so those are things that we always, I totally agree, we should definitely watch out um, and just make sure, you know, we're just giving the right extra push or pull without making anybody feel uncomfortable. Well, I think that we also hear this uh, from people that are introverted. So they talk about how they want to say something but they're just not comfortable saying this in a room, especially where there might be one or more people that they don't know. So they're not familiar with this one or two people. They don't really know what the impact of saying something might be on other people. So kind of out of consideration, they end up holding back what could be the actual 
one sentence that the room needs to hear, which is a perspective where there may be blinders on. It's like, okay, let me surface this now so we can address it early on instead of letting a problem rear its head too late. I think that falls into the same category, male and female, right? It's just if they're introverts, um, I think sometimes we don't give introverts a loud enough voice. We don't proactively say, can you please give us your thoughts? Yeah. So on that topic, I had an opportunity once to present at work about, you know, for young young women, you know, joining the workforce about STEM and, um, you know, women's growth and talent in a technical world. And I, I and I mentioned this before uh, to you, Angela, and I strongly believe in it. You start early, right? You start real early when you're when you're having these conversations. And to your point, whether it's introvert, it's women, or it's who who it is, right? You got to start early and you got to help address things early. And maybe it starts at home. It starts in middle school. It starts in high school. Um, and one of the things, right, I'm talking to, uh, um, you know, uh, women in, in the workforce, but I had to say, you also just have to remember to give the same back when you see young girls in school, right? That's the point where they're making choices that they might end up sticking for life. My daughter decided her profession or, or career path, let me say, when she was in a fifth grade. Okay, Now she's a sophomore. She still stands by it. It can change tomorrow, right? Totally respectful. It can change tomorrow. But she's kept the same thing. And that fifth grade, there were a lot of factors that I am certain would have made her choose. This is the path she wants to be in. And I believe in that. Right? Things start early. Impressions start early. Confidence level starts early. So if you're really going to help people, start early, right? Or the kind of conversations we have, and that's new hires into the organization, making them feel comfortable, making them, you know, be part of, of that whole ecosystem. And I truly believe confidence plays a big, big part. Um, like this, again, might be not a very a popular opinion, but I'll say it anyways. I believe everybody owns their career at the end of the day. you got to own it. Okay? Yes. For you to own the career, it starts with you really believing in yourself and having that self-confidence. Right? It starts there. For which other leaders, right, where you have that privilege of being in that leadership position, just watch out for the young talent that's coming in and help them get that confidence. Help them show the path. Give them the confidence that they can own their own career and be anybody and do anything. That's important. And you start early, whether it be at home, at school, or as soon as you join the task force. So would you mind sharing what your daughter has kind of highlighted as her career choice? Uh, so she wants to become a doctor. Um, and she wants to be, she's even particular that she wants to get into pediatrics. Uh, oh. yeah, and she decided that in fifth grade, right? And I, I live in San Jose and I work for a tech company. So I tried real hard to influence <laughs> towards engineering, right? Um, but uh, she's been pretty firm. And again, tomorrow anything can happen. But so far, she's stayed on that course. Well, and every profession is becoming more technical. You know, software is truly immersing itself into every attribute. So it may just end up where she has a comfort with technology and as a pediatrician, she might be able to excel and help her patients better than other doctors. So you never know how the convergence of two things, because I do see um, in my own adult children now, I see things that were going on in our life, in our household, in our company, 
and then what their real uh, interest in. I can see the convergence of these. And I don't think that we even realize it. Um, I think it's subconscious in many ways. Yeah, no fair. And technology can be intimidating too, right? Because it changes yeah. such a right. fast pace. Um, what I learned in college is not entirely everything that I'm using today. Right. You know, um, what I even learned 10 years back is not. The technology is at such a rapid pace. It can get intimidating for folks. But the thing is, to your point, it's penetrating everywhere. So, you know, having a having that, you know, level of some awareness with, with technology, you'd never know when you will need it, where you will need it, or how you'll use it. I still remember my physician, the first time they moved from paper records to when they went completely automated and digital. And she, they were very proud. The office was very proud how digital that they've become. And she's like, I have to learn and use these technology because they were connecting to different data sources. Um, and yeah, she, she had a different perspective of how technology made her life so much more easier. Right. Yeah, well, I, so as you think about that, um, what would you say beyond maybe critical thinking skills? I think that is going to be necessary no matter what job you have. But what do you think your daughter is going to need to be able to excel that you also have needed in your career? Like, where do you see those as parallels? Yeah, I am a very strong believer in soft skills. We spend a lot of time teaching you know, courses and subjects on, you know, whatever your study is. But we don't quite spend time um, teaching ourselves or teaching, you know, who are on soft skills. And there are, based on where you are in your life, there are different type of soft skills that you need. Um, you have to, A, know what it is, where you stand, which you, what are your strengths, and where do you need to focus on. Um, I, I, I'm a big believer on a few things. One, people skills. So I did this um, brain thing once, right? I forgot what is it called, but it's the four quadrants of the brain and the analysis of your brain to know where your strengths are. And ideally, you need to use all four quadrants of the brain, right? Um, and it's in one of the quadrant is very people oriented, right? Okay. And, I, and I truly believe in that, like having that empathy, understanding someone else's perspective. Right? Um, I, I, I listen to my daughter as much as she listens to me, right? Because it's a different generation. Loss is mine. If I don't pay attention to what she's saying, the loss is more mine than than hers, right? Um, so having that people skill, everybody has comes with a background and knowledge and learning from them. I would say that's probably just the number one skill we as people should have and also the empathy towards. The second thing I, I really insist is having a bit of um, think big and learn to think small as well. You should have a good balance of both, meaning you should be able to see the forest through the trees. It's very critical. But at the same time, you should also be able to build the path to get through the forest. Right. So in the technical world, I would put it as you should have a strategic thinking and you should also have an operational mindset towards it. If you have one of the two, very likely the outcome won't be great. Right. You've got to have a balance of both. It's not easy, but you've got to, you know, your decisions you make, how you think, what you do needs to have a right balance of, of both. Um, negotiation skills, very critical. I think my daughter is amazing at that. She can get what she wants 
so, okay, now I think that this is because you've been subject to the negotiating skills. Is that correct? Yes. That is correct. That is correct. I like empathize with you on this one. <laughs> Uh, so negotiation skills and the whole communication as part as part of that, and and I, I want to drill down on the communication. In today's world, you don't know who will take offense to what. You really don't know, which means we need to learn more. We need to listen more, watch more, and tailor our communication towards it. A lot of things that I would have said twenty years back, I will not even think today. Because my environment 20, 25 years back was different. I grew up in a town in India, which was different, different environment, whatever. That will not apply today. And if I don't grow myself and if I don't change my communication, again, the loss is mine. I'm not changing with times. I'm not listening. I'm not paying attention to the world around me. So I'd probably say those are some of the fundamental uh, soft skills, but build everything over self-confidence. Because if you don't have self-confidence, if you don't trust yourself, don't expect anybody else to trust you. Yeah, so a lot of what you, I think that you've just described uh, is centered around agility. You know, we talk about agile thinking and technology, but so much of what you're discussing is agile thinking in your personal life, in your professional <laughs> life, and then how do you apply in your career? Like all those things seem to be tied together. Yeah. And I work with clients a lot, right? I work with clients a lot. I work with every day, multiple clients worldwide. I can't take anything personal, right? It's very important. I a it's not about always saying yes to a client, but it's also solving the problem, right? It's finding the right balance. How I'm solving the problem at the end of the day, you know, it's it's about client success. It's very important. I listen. I solve the problem. So I have a bit of. I I need to think of it from a problem solving mind, but at the same time, um, I also have to find the right balance. That it's a win win kind of situation. Um, so. Yes. As much as possible, I pay attention to that. Well, do you think that, you know, it, as things are progressing in a career path, and I think, you know, certainly what we see um, from this way's perspective is that people are changing jobs and transitioning into different aspects of jobs because they didn't exist before. And so now they're kind of creating a new path that has never existed. Do you think that that a person who's listening is going to find those paths faster? Or do you think another skill set is required in order for them to figure out what to do with their own career? Because people are struggling right now. They don't know where to go in their career. Yeah, that's a very good question. Because sometimes people think what they have is what they need to build upon. We don't quite keep our eyes, ears, everything like fully open to A, understand where the industry is going, right? Where do our interests and skills fit within the industry? The Today's world is a little bit better than I would say over 20 years, if I have to map, at least I would map it in a way that, you know, we're, we're trending in the right direction. A, there is awareness. There is awareness of where the industry is going. And it's very important. We all need to be aware, right? B, there is also awareness of, there's enough support around. If you, if, if tomorrow I want to become a data scientist, there is enough material for me to go and learn to become a data scientist. I want to become a data engineer. I can go learn. If I want to improve my leadership skills, there is numerous courses available that I can take, right? And I'll tell you for the company that I work for, you can just deepen your skills, skill set in anything that you want. There are learning paths, there's badges, there's certifications. But again, like I said, career 
is, you know, everybody owns their own career. I think everybody owns their own skill sets at the end of the day. You will have a support system, but you've got to be really aware. Where, where does your interest align with where the industry is going and picking that path? Um, and some people are great, right? They can be jack off of a lot of trades and some people will be master it in a couple. You choose that, but, you know, there is there is a lot more support system. I would say it's available, but it's, it, it's as successful as how you leverage it. So what have you been most surprised about as your career evolved, let's say from when you got into technology to today, what is the thing that's most surprising or that you think that you were least expecting? So I shift from being a hardcore technical person into a leadership position. And one of the things, and I remember this conversation long time back with the with the manager, then I said, I don't want to lose my technical skills at all. Right. I'm like, I I just I just don't I can't, I can't afford to lose it. And he gave me some really strong advice saying it's the choices I make, whether I can be a technical leader or a leader leader. And that advice, I think I've followed it today. And I'm very proud to say that I've kept my technical skills as I have grown my leadership skills. And that, I wouldn't call it, it surprised me, but it worried me at one point in time. And I mentor a lot of people. I mentor a lot of women, especially. Women come and ask for more mentorship. I do have to say that. Um, I mentor a lot of people and I mentor a lot of women. And they are always worried about, should I take this path or this path? And I'm like, you can marry both paths. Mm-hmm. It's you don't have to make a choice as to if you're in leadership, you have you lose your technical jobs. You don't have to, unless you don't choose to spend time keeping your technical skills at you know up to date and not necessarily using it the right way. That's a choice you make, but you can definitely marry it. And I, I, I feel comfortable to say it's definitely possible. There are a lot of leaders and great examples all around us that shows how it's done. And I would say through my career, that's something that it, it's, I don't want to use the surprise. It's pleasantly, you know, I've, I've liked how it, it it's, it's, you know, it's been there for me. And I see the company again, I work for, I don't think any leader will stand and say they're not a technical leader. They want to be that technical leader. There is not a single person who would say that because it just doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. So you have to have the abilities to do some part of both jobs. Right. So, so um, one of the things that recently I had a podcast guest and they were commenting about mentorship and you just mentioned that you mentor other people. Um, one thing that I was so surprised about, he is a leader in diversity and inclusion and he talks about the necessity for, uh, for us to mentor and for us to be mentored. And when you're setting up your mentorship, that you should strive to be a mentor to or a mentor from someone that's different than you. Like, so someone that brings like a different perspective that is challenging, that maybe sometimes it's even uncomfortable conversations because they are different and you've not ever thought about it from this perspective. So do you have a mentor? Have you had a mentor over the last 20 years? Yeah, I believe in mentorship. I, I have multiple mentors. I actually believe in multiple mentors. And I say this to people who I ment- mentee as well, is my, to my mentees as well. If a mentorship doesn't work, don't be worried. Like just fire your mentor, right? And move on. Like, you don't have to, it's not a marriage. Don't You don't have to make it work no matter what, right? 
it's about what are you getting out of it and what are you giving into that you know into that and just move on and identify the others so i've had great mentors and i've learned a lot and i try to do this with with mentorship where i like my expert mentors where who are experts in my field right then i like career mentors who are just more broader more from a career perspective then i like completely outside mentors who have nothing to do with exp- the expertise of area that i'm in nothing to do with career i just want to talk to them learn from them you know share you know what i feel comfortable what my fears are and just have a non-judgmental you know conversation so i believe in three types of mentors and i recommend that to people as well just so that you get the perspective and have multiple mentors and if something doesn't work i just don't 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 worry about it like move on identify other mentors and this again could be an unpopular opinion i believe it's more the responsibility of the mentee to extract from the mentor you have to always learn how to extract what you want out of the mentorship program um it's more a pull um than you getting getting going to get pushed so yeah absolutely i that that is a great piece of advice and i do think that sometimes it takes having a mentor or two before you figure that out i i was very lucky in that i had an excellent mentor who's still a mentor of mine today uh he has been a mentor to me since i was probably gosh early 20s so he's seen the entire evolution of my adult life you know and so he'll comment back Do you remember, you know, this point, you know, do you remember when you were having that same thought and what happened and you know, and so I'm like, okay, he can use my own cast against me if he wants to. Um, but when you're talking about extracting information, let's get really tactical. So do you set up appointments with your mentors and do you say for those times like is it a um schedule of every week every other week for an hour and then do you tell them what you're expecting of them so the most favorite type of mentorship that's worked for me is i actually ask them give me a stretch assignment a what a stretch assignment yeah okay something to do that i can come and report back it should not be something important for you like super important it should be something in your nice to have list that you don't have the bandwidth to get to and you just kept there and you want somebody to research on it look look at it give me that because then i have a more clear purpose i have a more clear conversation and engagement to talk about them then i build the cadence based on it i recommend this a lot to people too i actually believe in that then that way your conversations are structured it's not like all over the place and you know it doesn't have a flow of what you really am like and you look back you know what came out of it you don't have that because you are actually working on something and you're not pressured by time right you don't want to pick one of the top priority stuff then you just created more work for yourself which is not what you want you want something that's literally last in their list of things to do or in their mind but they just you know give you an assignment for you to do that's my favorite but i can't do that with everybody i've been watchful and mindful who i actually do that with the more uh the other kind of preferred mentorship that i have is i ask them what works for them what doesn't work for them and then i tell them this is what i do this is what is working for me this is all what's not working for me um and i say that and i and i do like i said before i believe in a very non-judgmental relationship you should have with your mentor i if i'm going to just it's not my manager i'm not going to just you know 
say what the person wants to hear. I'm going to say what I truly feel about it. Um, so when I have that conversation, I want feedback, right? And I, and I actually talk about real life, not hypothetical stuff at all. I talk about real life. Hey, this is what I'm working on. This is what I'm doing. I like these. I, you know, I'm having trouble with this. This is how I'm approaching it. Um, I'm just trying to see their, their like little small hints that they say. I'm not asking them to solve my problem, right? That wouldn't make sense. I just, anything that they give, even as a little indicator, then I have something to go and work off. Um, well, and I do think you're exactly right. It's like a mentor, if you're really listening and you're really trying to grow, I found that a mentor can say something and it isn't even relative to the thing that we're directly talking about, but they'll bring up something that is has something to do with actual work, unrelated, and you're like, wait a second, that applies to this other thing. Right. And to me, that is just like your brain's expanding out of the mentorship. You know, your brain is starting to see things that should have it's been overlooking for whatever reason. Again, the blinders being on. But I love the fact that you have like the three different type of mentors. I don't think I've ever talked to someone. I've talked to people who've said I've had different types of mentors over my life. But I don't think I've ever talked to anyone that had like three different types of mentors very specifically for different aspects of their life. I mean, it makes total sense how you say it. Yeah, And don't give mentor work. I also believe in that. Like you do your work and go and talk to the mentor. Like don't get, don't add more work into their plate. That, I, I, I find that interesting when people, you know, expect the mentor to do stuff. No, you go there and, and go prepared. Yeah, and then you look for cues from your mentor because you believe in the person. That's why you're even setting up the time. Like right. you only believe in in what they bring to table. Um, so my dad's a teacher, by the way. You know, and my whole thing of when I was sharing about who I am, yeah. he's probably my first mentor. And there are so much that he has taught me 20 years back, the first 20 years of my life, I should say. Right. I apply it to date. I use it. I say my dad used to say this, and I use it till date. And there are mentors through my life that I know, I know they're a good and successful mentor for me. And I've been a good mentee is when I actually use it and I actually quote them without necessarily saying the name. I say, you know, one of my mentors used to say this, I just sits with me. And that's something that I've brought into, into practice. And, that, and I, my dad's my very first mentor. There's things that he's fundamentally taught me that I follow till today. Oh yeah. I So one of my best pieces of, uh, advice that I got was, uh, and I had to develop it myself, is my, uh, I had a mentor that asked me, well, how long, I was stressed out about something, really stressed. And um, they said, well, how long are you going to allow yourself to be stressed about that? I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, it's totally up to you. Are you going to, like, are you going to be stressed about this for the entire week? Is, are you going to let it linger for a year? Like today at five o'clock, is it over? And I was like, oh my gosh, it was the first time I actually realized that I'm in control of how long I allow these kinds of things to like affect me. And so I decided 20 minutes. So that's my rule. And it's my rule about everything. I allow myself 20 minutes, get stressed about something, to feel sorry for myself, to be mad, whatever it is. The only thing I allow longer is if I'm happy. Happy can go on forever. But if it's a negative one, I'm like 20 minutes. I set my clock to it. I literally put an um, alarm on my phone. And when it goes off, I'm like, okay, now I have to move on. But for that 20 minutes, I can be as 
you know, burn it um, outside of my mind as I want to, but as to stop that. I love it. I'm going to borrow that. <laughs> okay. It's very helpful. It's like, it, but it was like one of these moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, I never even thought about it. And yeah. I'm very fortunate that um, this came about when I was about 28 or so. And so a lot of my adult life people will ask me, they're like, why are you so laid back about stuff? I'm like, oh, I'm not, it's not that I'm laid back. It's just that my 20 minutes of whatever is over. <laughs> like, you know, no, that's I amazing. I love little tactics like that. It's not always big things. It's no. little tactics that we apply to our life that just improves the overall quality of Work life, personal life, and in today's world, work and life are integrated. Okay, right. whether we like it or not, they're integrated. Right. So you got to protect both. You got to nurture both because yeah. one will impact the other. And I love little tidbits like that. And hey, you you mentored me right there, and that's I, I that's kind of the opportunities that I actually look for when I listen in a mentor. It's like I'm going to go and try to apply that, and then I teach ten more people once I've perfected. I teach ten more people. Uh, to do it. So I had someone that worked for me and they said, well, what if I need whatever, you know, two hours? I'm like, I have two hours. I mean, it's just, I picked 20 minutes uh, because that just, I, and it really came out of thin air. Like I have no reason. Someone said, why? Why 20, not 30? I have no idea. <laughs> I just picked 20. But I tell people, pick two days, pick whatever, but just don't let things own you. And I, and I was, that is exactly what was happening to me before I, I, and I will say I struggle with it sometimes if it's a really big one, but I still do the, I still set the clock. And when I start letting myself go back into it later, like maybe later that day, I start getting stressed about it again. I do it again. I'm like, okay, yeah, just manage yourself. But we do have to figure out a way to find the balance and we own that. I don't think that we should blame employers or our spouses or our families or whatever. We need to own our happiness and be in control of it. I agree. I agree completely. Yeah. It's well, I, you know, Priya, I am so happy you joined me and I know that there are going to be people that will listen to this and they will take this away and actually apply it to their life. And that's the part that we love so much about diversity cafe is we bring on people that have different perspectives. Um, I am now really going to go back and think through like my, how I have my own mentoring set up. Um, I don't have multiple mentors. Well, actually I think I do, but I don't think I've actually assigned them in categories like you have. And I don't think I've been quite as intentional as you have about them. So uh, I have learned that from you too. I think I'm going to be better as a mentor and better as a mentor or mentee. Yes, that's how I should say it. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. And I hope you will come back some other time and uh, share some more insight with us. Priya, it was a joy having you. For everyone that's listening today, thank you for joining the Diversity Cafe and we will see you soon. Thank you, Angela, for having me. I totally loved talking to you and uh, I hope you have me again. And yes, I would love to talk more and chat more with you. Thanks for listening to Diversity Cafe. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see the growth of fair recruiting, please share it with others, post it on social media, and leave a nice review. To stay caught up on all the latest, follow This Way Global on Facebook, LinkedIn, or at thiswayglobal.com.